Hello again to episode 120-something of The Feminine Critique. I was doing so good for so long, I was looking it up, I was keeping track, and now we're back to me throwing numbers out and hoping to hit a good one. I'm Emily. Oh, I'm Christine, and I never know what episode it is. You are nothing if not consistent. (laughs) I've never pretended to. (laughs) Uh, On this episode, we are going to talk about a movie, one movie in particular. What's that movie? I almost forgot, but it's 2018's Destroyer. Yes. Uh, it's kind of fitting that we do it because it's Nicole Kidman starring and Karen Kasama directing. And mm-hmm. I, we tend to try to cover everything they both do because I think we love yep. them both. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Karen Kasama, I think we've like officially covered every one of her movies except for The Invitation. But you and I have talked about The Invitation so much. We've talked so about much. it so much. Yeah. yeah like I think I, So I think like essentially we probably have i mean not not a blood oath per se in the eric roberts style but we have some kind of unofficial deal where we have to always cover her films so i Uh, think that's very accurate yeah now before we get to that uh we've been watching other stuff and we're gonna talk about that first so christine what other stuff you've been watching okay um oh this is a really weird run Um, (laughs) oh that's exciting (sighs) Well, I do. Uh, let me start with a movie because we we were just off the air. We were just talking about going to we the were. theater and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the only movie I saw in the theater that's worth seeing in the Ooh. theater. Okay, and that that would be Crawl. Crawl, the, as in 1982s or whatever. No, nope. Crawl. Crawl. Pardon crawl. my accent. Oh, crawl. Okay. All right. So accent. you know. So you're from New England. <laughs> I'm from Long Island, and. I guess in Long Island, we'd probably say crawl, and it would sound... I mean, what I heard was K-R-U-L-L, starring Liam Neeson. (laughs) Boy, aren't we a pair. Um, (laughs) Crawl. C-R-A-W-L. Look, I was calling it Chomp as a joke, (laughs) because I couldn't remember the name of it, and then every time we... Whenever we would look for it to go see, I would be like, I don't know what this crawl movie is. You know, what's a, what's a more intimidating title? We know what alligators, alligators do a lot of things. One of the things they do is they crawl. Sure, they have tiny legs. They're walking. It's just that they have tiny legs, so it looks like they're crawling. That's not that intimidating. Like, the fact that they have tiny legs, that's one of their, like, more charming attributes. The fact that they chomp you to bits, that's terrifying. Why didn't they, they chomp? call it chomp? Look, missed opportunity? Yeah. But um, I enjoyed this movie a super lot. Ooh, nice. Like, I liked I liked it a lot, a lot. Um, are uh, they alligators or crocodiles in this one? Oh, shit. I knew and now I forgot. Did they have fat noses or skinny noses? Skinny noses. And they were crocodiles? Is it a lot of crocodiles or just one crocodile? There's... I don't want to spoil it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think you already did, but that's okay. <laughs> That's true, I do. All right, so this um, is about a crocodile or an alligator, or possibly one of each. I believe it's a cro- Look, I believe it's a crocodile. Okay, okay. Um, I liked it the most. I liked it so much. Nice. 
Um, um, I know people, I actually never got to see the trailer. Everybody talked about the trailer. Uh, we were going to try to go see it and just have been very busy. Is it a good, fun popcorn movie or is it actually kind of scary? Oh, there's, there's some jumps in it. Nice. For sure. I really like Aja. I think I've talked about that on this podcast before. Um, I'm up and down I, on him. I mean, but when he's on, he is yeah. really a great horror filmmaker. I, I agree. This is this is extremely tense. It's very fun. Um, girl's name, who I can't say, who who I call Maze Runner. Um, <laughs> I, I, oh, I call her, her. I call her Kristen Stewart. No, that's not Kristen Stewart. I I love her. She is one to watch. When I saw that she was in this movie, I got so excited. Um, she's one to watch. She's been in a shitload of stuff. I'm just saying. I hope she gets more and more work. Um, Speaking to your point about the trailer, I saw the trailer for this a million times, mm-hmm. and I'm actually sort of bummed that I did, because yeah. it's a single, like, it all happens in a single area, there's clear escalation that happens, mm-hmm. and it's hard to cut a trailer without me knowing the order in which things happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, how wet ugh. somebody is, how injured somebody is, how fucked up a house is. So I kept waiting for things to happen. It didn't necessarily diminish it but i i knew certain cues and i think i would have been blown away if i hadn't known movie theaters should issue sensory deprivation glasses that are like if you've ever seen the movie tommy who's tommy the musical at the very end when tommy's trying to get everybody to like be like him and he makes them wear like the glasses earplug mouth thingy so that you can't see talk or hear they should mm-hmm. provide those the way they provide 3d glasses so that if you don't want to see a trailer and don't want anything spoiled you can turn yourself off accordingly uh i tend to agree i do i like to avoid trailers but sometimes it is inevitable yeah um this movie was good i it it, i don't know about around you but it zipped out of theaters we had there was only like one option for us to see it last weekend Mm -hmm. which sucked yeah um but that happens sometimes um i liked it though happy to support it good um, that one's going to be my recommend, I think. Uh, we rewatched Insidious and Insidious 2. Look, I don't know why we do these things. More importantly, why didn't you then watch Insidious 3, the best Because Insidious 3 is actually good and scary. It's the best and, one. And Zach was like, let's watch these. <laughs> he, can probably, he can probably hear me doing this voice. Zach voice. Do it. But he was basically, he wanted to rewatch him. He was curious. Yeah. I've seen Insidious the first one multiple times because I didn't like it and then everybody was like oh you're wrong it's good and then I watched it to see if I if I was in fact wrong <laughs> I still and, like the first one I do have it has a special place in my heart because it's one of the first movies I saw with my husband we were dating so it's always like oh I remember going to see that with you like early on in our courtship uh, and I think I, and I still I think it's an imperfect film I think it stumbles in its ending but there are certain things about that movie that I think are incredibly done. I think I think some of the scares are great. I don't know if they hold up because they're good jump scares, so those don't always hold up the second time around. But I like that the characters aren't idiots. They turn the lights on. Yep. They move out. Like, it, it, you watch that movie and you say to yourself, this was written and directed by somebody or somebodies that have seen horror films and say... Why do, Why are they not doing this? And decided mm-hmm. to make a movie with all the tropes of Poltergeist, only they're going to have them do the things that you shout at the, TV, at the movie to do. There's a lot to like there. I'm not going to discount that at all. There's, there's a lot to like. There is also things that really don't work for mm. me. 
And also, I don't understand. I guess at the time, I didn't understand why people were treating it like this revelation of filmmaking. Like, it it wasn't like the well, rebirth of horror. It horror wasn't, but it also, either. you hadn't had... It was PG-13. Yes. And it's one... I think it was PG-13. And I think it was, too. But it was PG-13 in an era where most of your PG-13 horror were still kind of, like, like um, slick, hot people slashers. So then you have this one comes out that's actually scary. And I'm trying to remember timing-wise. I feel like you had a little bit of a dip in mainstream studio horror being good because you had this kind of saw revolution of the early 2000s then you had paranormal activity and those kinds of movies so you didn't quite have that sort of what kind of became a tentpole style and you look at the conjuring conjuring doesn't happen without insidious for a lot of reasons for sure and it really i'm not yeah I'm not trying to diminish its place in, in, in the, the genre. You're making a lot of very eloquent, beautifully stated points oh, so that I didn't hear anybody making at the time. Mm. If you want to make an argument for this to be the, the new breed of, of horror after post 9-11 horror, thank you. That's beautiful. Mm. I love that. Could you write me that thesis right now? That's an amazing idea to explore. Nobody was saying that at the time. Fair. And I felt like a crazy person <laughs> because it is, it is, it is cheesy and heavy-handed much like the entire second one to me is see the second one i've only seen once i was bored i remember really not liking it and it did the thing that i really hate when they do in movies where they have a character playing a younger character or they have an actor playing a it's young lin shay but it's old lin shay's voice and it's creepy and weird and i hate when they do that so distracting it's weird it's very weird i get it lin shay has a pretty um pretty definitive voice that yes like would sound somewhat similar whether she was when she was 25 to when she was uh 55 but it's still really weird when an actor is just not saying their own dialogue and everybody else is it's yeah and that's what i said like if if for some reason barbara hershey's character had barbara hershey like yeah delved on top of it then maybe this wouldn't be so strange yep it's it's definitely that's definitely yeah, that's all I remember story. about that movie that and being kind of bored. Yeah, it. I guess, like I I just the, there's just a, I don't like that much literalness mm, and yeah my stuff. Um, but then but the I didn't dis- so I didn't dislike it nearly as much as I remember disliking that's it. Good. So maybe time has softened me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but for those listening and who are thinking, well, why would I go back and watch these? And you don't have to watch one and two to watch three, but three is, like, both of us agree, three is really good. Three's really good. It's just so good. It doesn't get yes. the love it deserves, but it's really good. Yeah, three, one, I think, is fine and, and, and effective and special and important. Two is cringy. Mm. Three is a, a genuinely good movie. And then four, I honestly will please stop it i have not seen four yet i will the at some four, point i would i would love to hear your opinion on yeah it. i think it's streaming somewhere now and i keep being like i should watch that and i'm like yeah. oh but i know christine didn't like it but that see i'm not the end all be no, all no, and sometimes things. we disagree especially on horror well, so that's so funny because guess what i saw <laughs> i well no this isn't a disagree i i saw la llorona oh okay and did you like it there was a lot I liked about it. Fascinating. Okay, tell but me what you liked. I thought a lot of the visuals were really effective. 
Now, and I got genuinely creeped out. I will say we watched it in a hotel. We we didn't have the best color to our screen. We thought at one point we were trying to because we turned all the lights off. We were trying to figure out is it, like do we need to adjust the settings on our TV because it seemed like there were things we couldn't see. So I don't know if we missed anything or if it's just that it was a very dark movie. Mm-hmm. I it, it is a very dark movie, but there's like there's this there's like the way that she shows up the titular La Llorona shows up is very cool. The the priest character I, I kind of appreciated. I do wish that it had been not about like an Anglo woman. Yeah, yeah. But like I, I and I guess there was there was like a quick like butter kids had a Hispanic father. Like weirdness, like why are you even doing this? Yeah, it well I think they that's absolutely why they did that cuz I think they were like and I just don't get cuz it's look Linda Cardellini's great. Like sure, yes, put her as a star of a horror movie, but it's not like she's really bringing in that much of an audience. Like you have a dozen actresses who now have a following from Orange is the New Black that would have been fine in that role, who are well, of they, Latina origin. They had a woman in this movie who could have just, you know... Totally, the mom in the very beginning. Yeah, would have been fine as that character. Um, which, it was so, it was weird. That was yeah. weird. I thought the kids were really good. So here's my question on the kids. Did you think that the girl was supposed to be, like, five years five years old? I feel like they cast an actress, and either they cast her too late. Oh, or she grew I get up. what you're saying. She just felt like the boy's got probably supposed to be like 11, maybe, and he's kind of in charge, and he's supposed to be like actively taking care of his little sister who has a stuffed animal that she can't like. Every time she like drops it, she cries and has to run after it. But the actress looks like she's also 11, and it just no, it really right. killed it for me. I didn't, honestly, I didn't pick up on that at all when I was watching it. But now that you say it, you're right. Yeah, once uh, I saw it, it was like, it really, really bugged me. Huh. Well, I, so I, I everything that you said is, is right. You're not wrong at all. Um, there's just, there's just an, an intersection of things about it that I enjoyed. Well, I'm like, good though. That's good. I liked that it was like religious, but also like they got into like, um, like the Bruja stuff, and right? It was, right. So it, it wasn't was like, and it was, yep. And it wasn't like, and it didn't feel. And I could be completely wrong about this, but it didn't feel offensive about another culture's beliefs. I'd, I'd agree. Again, we're both we're both we're both white, so but we're, take, everybody take our opinion with a grain of salt. But no, I, I agree completely on that. Like somebody cuts the head off a chicken, and then all of a sudden you yeah. have like a voodoo priest and you're like what the come please people like the character that like only says like one word with a you know spanish accent or that kind of thing and it's like why are you why are you doing yeah 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 um but i so there were things in it i liked but uh, yes your every every critique you had about it i I, I don't want to convince you that it wasn't good i'm I'm, i would be happier if you enjoyed it I, I, but I want you to know that it just, it just, it just ticked a couple bo- of good, my good. boxes that I don't think you have, which mm-hmm. is why. Very I possible. Was, okay. Um, ooh, this isn't my recommend, but this is a movie that I want you to watch. <clears throat> so you know how we were like, oh, we both have Shudder and sometimes we'll mm-hmm. just randomly pick something. Yes. And while we're not over the moon about it, we're happy we watched it. Yes. So this is something that I watched that I actually really liked. <laughs> It's called Ruin Me. I feel like I have this on my queue on Shudder. 
I actually really liked it. I oh, didn't know this is the one that. that it's um, it's like a bunch of people. <laughs> oh yeah, that movie. <laughs> a bunch of people that like sign up for a slasher weekend or something. Yeah. Okay. I have it on my queue. It sounded really interesting. I have not watched it yet. I was surprised. And you know what? It could be that expectation thing again, where your expectations are in a weird place. So you go in and something's sure. mediocre and you're like, this is great. But I walked away from it with like a really positive feeling. All right. Nice. I will definitely watch it soon. Yeah. So let me know what you think about that. Um, went to the theater and saw Stuber. Which is the Kumail oh, Nanjiani. Oh, right, the, the, the Uber movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, didn't like it. Didn't like it. No. Not funny. Which, not really. Mm. I didn't laugh at it very much, which is a huge disappointment because I love both of them so much. Same. The cast is phenomenal, but I was just kind of lukewarm on the whole thing. Gotcha. Um, Zach apparently hates me, and he <laughs> made me watch Legion, the the movie oh, from... So you want to talk about a trailer... That movie had the best motherfucking trailer of the 2000s. The I, trailer, saw, I saw it in the oh theater God. because of the trailer. It, the trailer for Legion was so fucking good. Yep. It had Doug Jones as the, as the creepy milkman. It had the old lady scurrying on the ceiling. I remember seeing that trailer and thinking, oh my God, this actually, this looks amazing. And then I rented it. And I don't even know if I stayed awake because it is boring. So fucking boring. Yep. It has a ridiculous cast, right? It's like Paul Bettany, Jessica Biel. Oh, uh, who else? No, is in it's it? not Jessica Biel. Who is it? Um, it's some lady that's it's a, like it's a woman whose name I can't remember. But it's got um... oh, is it, oh, it's it's um, what's her name from um, yep. uh, tall girl from Friday Night Lights who I love, who's great and everything and should be in everything. Okay. Adrian Palicki. Yeah, uh, there it is. It, and it's oh, got Tyrese Gibson, Lucas Black, Charles S. Dutton. My yeah. God. It's all right there, man. I'm just, I'm just angry. Dennis Quaid, um, yeah, Kevin Durand. Yep. Oh, God, it's it's very frustrating how good this movie should have been and wasn't. It wasn't, and no. now I'm watching it now. It's it's you should have this child, even though you don't want it. Themes are oh, really oh, not great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I wasn't even thinking that back then yeah, when I watched it, it. It definitely didn't didn't work for me. Mm, yeah. Um, I watched a movie that I think is on Hulu. I don't know. I All of my subscriptions have either ended or I canceled them, so I can't remember where I watched some of these things. This movie is called Flight 7500. Okay. And I believe it's from the director of something that I should remember. <laughs> I'll look it up while I'm talking. It's about people, like, in a they're in a plane and, like, all this weird shit that happens in a plane. I, I like and, uh, weird shit movies set on planes. Okay, this guy, I, the guy who did The Grudge. Oh, The Grudge. Yeah, I, I kept wanting to say The Grudge. Ring, but I knew that was wrong. Racist. No, because it's a the movie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's the only thing it has in common. The it Grudge, has the, the in the title. It does. But um, I, I almost skipped it because I don't know that it was good, but it was weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Interesting. This is American or it's Japanese? Okay, so it's, um, I guess, oh, it's a, a mix of people. Interesting cast. It's what an interesting it? cast. Amy Smart, our our, our favorite um, Hallmark refugee. Scout yeah. Taylor Compton. Looking unrecognizable. Ah. I was like, holy shit, I know who that is. <laughs> but didn't look at, look, I don't know if it's good. 
but I, I okay. didn't hate it. And at the end of it, I went, huh, that's what that was about. <laughs> okay. Would, would you, it, is it boring? Is it not boring? Is it? Hmm? It's slow and it's, it's, it's got, it's got a simple charm to it, but I wouldn't say <laughs> I was ever bored. Okay. I'm into it. Can we talk about Jason Takes Manhattan? Oh, how much time do we have? Because I can do that all night. I don't think I've ever seen it all oh, the way through. Oh, Christine. So, what I mean, is I even ha- happening in this movie? I it's have so, so much long. to say. I want to hear everything you have to say about it. It's four hours long. Pretty much, yeah. And about 15 minutes of those four hours are set in Manhattan, yes! which is actually Vancouver. And it's very it obviously is, Vancouver, other than the overhead shots of, of Manhattan skylines. It's, yes, it's long. And also it's, the New York stuff was at least funny. Oh, the New like, York stuff is it, so great. People everybody bitch rag on it. Up. Oh, yeah. God, she get, they get off the boat. As soon as they get off the boat, the first thing that happens, they get mugged. She gets kidnapped to then get heroined and almost raped. Because yep. that's what happens as soon as you set your toe in Manhattan. I love it. It's a real cautionary tale. Very against much. Against both New York. And My other, oh, the other, the two best moments, and I know everybody's going to say it's the guy, you know, it's the punch, but no. The two best moments are the other parts about how awful New York is. One is when they're in the subway and they're running from Jason and they're just looking around at everybody going, help us, help us. And everybody like, won't look at her as if, because in New York, nobody helps anyone. Nobody helps anybody. But the real, the best moment of that movie. And I actually um, had, so Stacey Ponder of Final Girl uh, does um, kind of, cartoon artwork of horror movies and did put a book together of Friday the 13th mm-hmm. and did a like oh for the first like 100 people that buy it I'll do a special drawing for you just pick the character and I'm like oh my god I know what character I want I need the diner waitress in that movie the scene where uh, the the kids run into the diner and say help we need a phone or whatever it is and she's just like eh we don't have it welcome to New York <laughs> I love that broad so much. It's so it's weird, but like then the the beginning of it's all the boat stuff is weird. Yeah, the first what hour kind of, of it. What kind of trip is this? What kind of yeah. boat is this? What, what yeah. are you people doing? How right. old are any of you? How many of them are you? Why is your psychiatrist part of your school? What who what's going on there is all very confusing. Yeah. Definitely not the romp that I expected it to be. Yes, yes. A young Kelly but, who? Yep. I'm glad that I watched it. Yeah. Finally. We followed that up with Jason Goes to Hell. How does that age? I I will say, that I don't move, think I've watched that, that beginning is, to end for a long time. It's shit. Yeah. It's, what is even, I loved it. It was just not, <laughs> especially when you just watch Jason Takes Manhattan, sure. which is a it's a little formulaic, which feels <laughs> weird to be saying, because it's such that's such a strange movie too. Yeah, but like I didn't. Jason goes to hell. I was like, what is even happening? I don't know what what's around each each well, turn. The thing, it's not really a Jason movie in many ways, right? It wasn't. I think it started as just a totally unrelated script that they decided to work Jason into. Well, that makes sense. Totally. I think, and, and I mean, I've. I'm sure you have too. Well, although I guess you have you've never done it fairly if you haven't seen all of them. Done your rankings of the Friday the 13th. No, and I always this do... is 
Oh. This is a this is a franchise that is is never never been one that yeah. I've embraced. It's one that I growing up I always felt was not overrated but just over important just because I thought like this is so much less interesting than Nightmare on Elm Street than Child's Play and then other things happening. Now I think just because there's so many of them, there's that nostalgia factor of oh yeah, if they were on a marathon, I could turn any of them on and just leave it on and walk like I'd be entertained by anything. But that being said, I think it is the least interesting franchise of all the big ones. And my rankings are always, I always have to do the two, like what, what kind of what we did, I think when we've, whenever we've done them for Final Destination or Saw, where I have to go, okay, quality of film and the, yep. and my own personal enjoyment. And I think part eight, Jason Goes to Manhattan is probably, might be the worst one in terms of quality. That is a bad movie. But for me, it's probably my number three in terms of enjoyment. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I I would say that this one might work so well for me because it wasn't a typical Jason story. It's different. Yeah. I don't don't know where I rank it. Wild shit happening. and, And it's clear it's not about him. And. It's just, it's just strange. It almost I, I feels like, like it should have been a Halloween movie in its own way. The way right. Halloween, right? When you get to Halloween five and six, and it's like, oh, there's this druid- druidic cult, and yep. all of this very convoluted mythology that you never make sense, but yet the movie treats it really importantly. That's what I feel like part nine is of, of Friday the Thirteenth, where it's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, totally different movie. Suddenly he's super like I mean he's always kind of been supernatural, but now he's all the legit, like just like it's a worm yeah. demon or something. And he has a sister or a niece. I've never understood this. Oh yeah, I forgot about Jesus. There's right? a lot going on, There's, and I've I've never understood it. I've never understood how she. A part of it too, I think, is I always get it confused with um, Halloween Six. So in my mind, I'm I like, right, she's the sister, and that's the kid that they wait. No, I don't know. And then the guy from Friday the Thirteenth, the series, is in the movie. So even though it's completely unrelated, it makes you think maybe it's not. Maybe it is related, which just makes it even more of a head trip. Yeah. Well. I believe they're both streaming somewhere. Okay. Amazon? Who knows? Possibly. I feel like I've seen some of them go by recently. But uh, a real a real journey into mystery yeah. for these. Yeah. <laughs> now are you going to follow and it I up want... with my other favorite of the franchise, Jason X? Oh, I haven't seen Jason X since the theater. Yeah, probably. I love Jason X. It's so Canadian. It's adorable. Um, I saw it in the theater. I used to get dragged to these movies when I yes. was very young. And I didn't even have a chance to decide if I liked them or not. Uh, it was yes. just like this is what we're watching, yep, and you have no it. say. So I think I had some resentment, and okay. I have—I've never revisited that one. Um, you should. I think Jason X is a blast. It is stupid, but it is well aware that it's stupid, so it has a mm-hmm. lot of fun with itself. So I, well, I—I I, 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 I will keep you updated for okay. sure. Good, good, good. Um, I saw Fighting with My Family. Oh, I really want to see it. How'd you like it? I loved it. That's what I've heard. People dig it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I think you'll like it, too. I think so. And now, like, it's like, oh, that's Florence Pugh, who's the best. Yep. So, yeah. She's so cute and so great. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. There, There's, like, shades of this is, it's about family, obviously, but there's, like, portions of it. That, yes. The, with them that are kind of like about female friendship oh nice and it, it made me cry oh sweet there were just 
I love female friendship. More things I, should be. I agree. Like, about female friendship, but not be like very saccharine. I feel like mm-hmm. you don't get that balance. Yeah, but quite often. It was lovely. I liked nice. it a lot. And that's it. Oh, okay. Small little list. My list is also a small little list. Small um, list. A little, little from Shutter. A little from Netflix. A little from a plane. All that sort of thing. <laughs> so we're gonna start with Shutter. I, I don't think I, I think I forgot to talk about this one last time. Did I mention Can't Take It Back? The Facebook Ooh, horror movie think on so. Shutter. Okay, so it's a. I I am a. I've decided. You know, in my old age, I am a big fan of social media slashers. Me too. They're fun. I mean, they're you know, in the eighties, we had slashers who stalked you at summer camp. In the two thousands, they stalked you via found footage, and now they stalk you via social media. It makes perfect sense. Um. So this one, there's a few on Shutter, by the way, and I was I was going to do a marathon of them, but I just watched this one. So Can't Take It Back is a new girl who moves to town and tries to impress another friend. So she leaves a mean comment on a girl's Facebook page, and they actually say, like, it's Facebook. It's not, like, social media book. They actually call it yeah, Facebook. I guess you fun. can do that now. And um, what do you know? Of course, the girl is dead, and she's come back as a vengeance demon witch thing. And she is going after all of those who wronged her on social media. Uh, this is is okay. It's in terms of it being like an actual good movie. It's not, but it's not terrible. It's sort of if you kind of draw like a a line of the really good ones to the like eh ones. Like I'd put this a little bit below. Um, it's below unfriended. A tiny bit below friend request if you will. Mm. It's not quite as good as Friend Request. I liked Friend Request. I, I like Friend else. Request, That's too. right. You and me liked it. Nobody else did. <laughs> um, the, the the lead actress is is fine. Like, I liked her. She has, like, a cool look. She just doesn't quite look like the kind of actress you would put in that role. So she was, mm-hmm. like, kind of charismatic in that way to watch. And the girl who plays the really bitchy girl was really good, I thought. I thought she actually gave a good performance in a role that's usually just there to look pretty. Um, mm-hmm. This movie, there's one person in this movie is a YouTube star, and I'm watching Ooh, this movie, and I didn't love know what it. it was, but I see it like in the description, like starring YouTube star, blah blah blah, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I'll be able to figure that out. And very quickly, I'm like, oh, it's the guy that can't act. Yeah, that's yep. that's him. Um, uh, the future is now. We've indeed. reached it. Uh, so this, and that's the thing. I'm like, oh, there's something very meta about casting a YouTube star in a movie like this, but the movie doesn't have any real ideas on that, like. You know, the you look at like unfriended where, you know, there's there's things being said and discussed and I mean, you know, like hashtag horror where there's a lot more going on. This movie isn't smart. Like it, it doesn't it's just really trying to make a horror movie and it's you know, it ha- this happens to be, be about Facebook. It's not mm-hmm. very good, but I don't know. If you want like a dumb horror movie, it's fine. Um I watched another dumb horror movie that that's really not good, but has a good ending to where I almost thought it was good, but it, it wasn't. Um, this is on Amazon Prime, and it is called The Shortcut. Okay. So The Shortcut has your typical cover art of, like, four people standing looking sexy. And um, it has a couple of kind of oddly famous people. Dave Franco is in it. <gasps> Fun. Um, Katrina Bowden from 30 Rock. Wait, okay, 100% know what, the, we just saw this movie because I said, oh my god, it's Suri. From- it's, yeah, yeah. Um, so you watch this movie? 
No, but oh. we almost did. It was like right there on the screen. It, oh, God. I think you'll hate it, but I also kind of want you to watch it. <laughs> Wait, what was it called again? The Shortcut. Oh, I would have never been able to tell you in a million years. Yeah. That, that was the name of the So here's the, here's the thing about this movie. It, it's, I, I'm, you know, I'm noticing like, oh, that's an interesting cast. Shannon Woodward from Westworld was also in it. Oh, fun. Like, it's, it's a good cast. And I'm trying, like, watching this, I'm trying to figure things out. And I'm like, an hour in, I'm like, is this a horror movie? And then finally it turns into a horror movie. But then I'm like, was it, was it supposed to be a comedy? And then I realize it's produced by, um, like Adam, it's produced by Scary Madison, which is oh, the horror movie no. division of Happy Madison. I think Adam Sandler's, there's, Chris Sandler is a, is a writer. I'm guessing that's Adam Sandler's brother. It's directed by the guy that directed Grandma's Boy and like a bunch of other Adam Sandler stuff. But I, I keep I can hear myself exhaling. I'm so sorry I, I'm exhaling the, the so <laughs> No, it gives a good mood. The thing about this movie is like I still don't know if it is supposed to be funny or not. The ending is funny. It has a really good twist at the very end where I'm like, I didn't see that coming. That's kind of clever. It's mean, but that's pretty funny. But I don't understand what you were doing with the rest of your 90-minute movie. <laughs> it is also very, like, this movie is, like, 2009. And it's not that things have changed that much. But the lead the lead in this movie is supposed to be, like, this young high school guy moved to town. And he's an asshole. The movie presents him as your protagonist. But he's an absolute asshole. And then, meanwhile, there's this football player um, who's, like, this big, big, beefy jock who everybody keeps kind of, like, teasing, like, oh, he's so scary. But you're like, he's the only character in the movie who's not an asshole. <laughs> He's just looking for his dead dog and is being nice to people. But the movie's making, like, treating it as if he's, like, a mean, popular jock, but he's not. The protagonist is an asshole. It's very strange. It's not very That's good. strange. But, and it has this weird structure. So there's flashbacks to, you know, this family that lived there in the 40s and the 50s and the movie doesn't do any, anything stylistically to really kind of sell that because it's just not well directed. Um, it's it's just, it's one of those where you're like, I think the director saw a horror movie or two and said, okay, so this is what has to happen. But like, there's no understanding of tension or like how you actually would stage that. It's, it's like, oh, we keep the lights off because, um, you know, it's got to be scary. But wait, they're alone and nobody's around there and they have somebody on watch out. So there's no reason for them to not just turn a light on. Why can't they just turn the lights on? James Wan would have turned the lights on. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, again, it's not good. I'm not really recommending it, but I kind of feel like you need to see it. It sounds really frustrating. It is. Because there's something there. There's ideas there. Um, you have a great ca cast that is, like, ridiculous there. But I don't know. I, I don't know. It's strange. It's on Amazon. Go have at it if you'd like. Uh, <laughs> just a few more on Netflix. Uh, I watched a documentary that I really enjoyed. I think even you might like, even though it is, it's about musicals, but not the kind of musicals you think. Uh, this is called Bathtubs Over Broadway. Okay. Uh, it is, um, it follows a guy who was a former Letterman writer. He used to like do some segments and he was responsible for, I don't remember this on Letterman, but I guess um, Letterman would occasionally uh, get like old, like random weird records and play them 
uh, sort of just kind of to make fun of whether it was, I don't know, like odd songs or just like strange stuff from older times. Mm-hmm. And this guy uh, just kind of became obsessed with industrial musicals, which I had never heard of. Um, what that was, was between really the 60s and late 80s, there was this entire industry of musical theater and like musical uh, records and such being made for different corporate product launches and events. So if let's say Chevy was having its like annual unveiling of a new product and they invite all the dealers out and all the head salesmen, they would also at times have a hour and a half original musical about Chevy uh, and so, and then they would give the record out to, you know, all the, the dealers that came and send it out to the stores that everybody has it. And so it would be very specific musicals and it wasn't just songs. It was like entire narrative musicals done in some cases to sell a product in other cases for like corporate morale. So it might be like a musical about the staff at Walmart and being, you know, positive to it, to everyone. So it would be about like better practices and all that and you had in some cases you had people like the guys that did Fiddler on the Roof writing the music and then you also just had people that made careers out of it so you had a whole industry of the way now you have a lot of actors who do like cruise ships or commercials like this was a whole thing they would do was they did the industrials and that was their performance life and you have composers who wrote these very you know equal to a Broadway musical, but it was about investing in silicone or whatever it might be. And so it's it's actually a really interesting documentary. Uh, it's not that, it's been about an hour and a half. It starts off a little bit, like, kind of, you think it's going to be kind of like, oh, we're just making fun of how, like, silly these songs are, but it actually becomes very sweet and very heartfelt, and, you know, this guy kind of really, like, has an appreciation of it, and you meet the people behind it, and it kind of, like, makes a message of, like, oh, this thing that you do you know, in your job, which you might think has no meaning, like, there's, you know, there's a weird value to it. You never know. And 30 years later, somebody might discover it. So I really enjoyed it. And I think even if you're not, a, if you're a musical person, it's totally worth watching because you'll, it's just really fascinating to think about musical theater in a whole different context. But even if you're not, I think it's actually pretty enjoyable. That sounds wild. It sounds made up. No, yeah, it's like, a, and it sounds oh like a skit. Some of the songs are amazing. Like, they talk about silicone, and they wrote, had to write a six-minute song that was done to pitch investors, and it's, like, all the different uses of silicone. But in the meantime, or silicone, I, don't, I can never remember the difference, really. Uh, in the meantime, it's, like, it's rhyming, and it's got its own pattern, and it's not like they're just taking ready-made Broadway musicals and changing the lyrics. Like, no, it is composing an, an entire original production around a product or whatever message the corporation is trying to send to the people that it's going to show this to. It's it's interesting. I, I think you would dig it. Wow, that's weird. That's I like it. over Broadway. Um, all right, and then I have two more, and I think you've seen both. So one of them I know you've seen, and I know you loved it, and I loved it too, and I knew I would love it going in. Um, isn't it romantic? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. You loved it? Yeah, we watched it together. Um, it's just, I mean, I, I love this guy. I forgot his name, but the guy that directed this and I love the script. It's written by three ladies. I, they, all of whom have done different things. Um, and it's just fun. It's, you know, I'm, I'm not a romantic comedy fan, but I know them. So mm-hmm. I, you know, the movie is doing the same thing. It's taking those tropes, having a blast with them. 
Um, but it has a lot of heart, has a really good message. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not the message you think it is. You think it's going to be a certain message, but it's actually not. It's a different one. Yep. So, yeah, I know. I, I loved it. So good. Yeah. yeah I like it a lot. Yeah. I Pretty to definitely... look at. Yep. It just It's going to be one of those movies, I think, and I know it, it didn't do well in the theater. It kind of came out at a, at a wrong time. Um, I think it's going to be one that, like, I'm trying to think of, not, not like an ever after, but like another one, like, we start going back to of like, oh, this one, this is just a movie that makes me feel good. Because yes. I think there's a lot of, like, positive, memorable things about it that it should find a life when it eventually kind of gets more widely circulated. I, I certainly hope so. Yeah, deserves it. And then the last movie, I know you saw this. Um, I think I know how you felt about it. I have very strong feelings about it. I was on a plane and I'm going and like, if you're on a plane and they have the movies, you have to be so careful about what you watch because you have to really time it to make sure that you're yep. going to get through it. And I can't tell you how many times I exit a plane and I just get so sad when I walk by all the aisles of movies that are still playing that are like near the end. And I just think, oh, the passenger didn't get to finish the movie. It makes me very sad. But I looked at the time. I knew it was okay. I knew we were already, like, late. We're going to be sitting in the plane for a while. And so I watched Neil Jordan's Greta. What did you think? I'll tell you what I think. I really think the movie Greta could have been better. That was very cute. Thank you. Um, I... I'm so angry at this movie. <gasps> Me too! Yeah, I thought you were. I thought you... I knew oh, it. I'm like, there's one person soulmate. that liked this movie, and I can't remember who they were. I'm like, I don't think it was Christine. I think Christine hated it. And I'm so glad that I, like... This... What, I, what, a, what, a, what a waste. What a waste. It made me so angry. I was so angry about that movie for days. Yes. For yes. days afterwards. It put me in such a bad mood. Yeah. Stop yeah. letting people who have no business doing things do things. So let's let's go deep into this one a little bit. We're going to spoil this movie, I think. Because we should I, cover I, it. We, or, or we could just cover it. Um, you want to just cover it next time? Should we do that? Honestly, I have so many issues with this, and okay. I've since forgotten a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, I have a theory, too, that there is so much missing in this movie. I hope there is, because I feel like there are deleted scenes galore, but I don't know. I can't find anything on it. So, okay. Interesting. We're, put a pin in this, everybody. When next we come back, we're going to talk about Greta. Not like yeah, next, I think... as in we're going to take a break and come back. Like, no, no, no. Our next episode, we'll just do Greta. How's that? Yeah, I think we should. Yeah. I, I'll try to I'll try to rent the um, rent it from the video store and see if there's any, like, extra Please um, tell me if there's stuff. any, like, deleted scenes, because I, okay. I mean, I have to, <laughs> I have to believe there were. Because otherwise, I'm really angry. Um, but but I'll save that anger. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do that that thing that that Agent Simmons does on Agents of Shield. I'm gonna take a little jewelry box and open it up and put my anger in there and close it and hope that one day it doesn't turn into an like angry monster zombie that tries to attack my fiance. You should watch Agents of Shield. It's very good. Okay. Okay. All right. So on that note, then we're gonna take a break and come back and talk about Destroyer. Correct. Woo! Yes. Okay. My bathroom, my bathroom is a private kind of place. Very special kind of place. The only place where I can stay making faces at my face. My bathroom. 
2018. Now we're going to talk about a movie made by somebody who should be making movies about these kinds of characters, and that is Karen Kusama making Destroyer. Yes. We're going to spoil this a lot, right? Oh, yes. I think we have to. Again, we usually do when we get to our, our main feature. Uh, this is a movie that it's it's a mystery, essentially. It's a crime thriller mystery. So, um, yeah, we not, yeah, we're going to spoil all of it. Um, it's on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, you can watch it and then come back and listen to the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Go watch it. This movie didn't do well. It did not. No. It was positioned as a bit of Oscar bait. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was Nicole Kidman, who's, you know, also had a really good year last year with Big Little Lies. Separate issue on how bad Big Little Lies 2 was, but that's that's for, for another occasion. Um, so it was kind of like really good timing for her. Uh, you know, I think people the year before, a lot of people kind of felt like Karen Kusama should have been a contender for the invitation for director. Yes. Um, and absolutely. Like, I think she, like, she might've gotten like a, um, like independent award here or there or something, but it was one of those like, you know, dark horse, uh, nominations of, Oh, imagine if that happened and you're like it's not gonna happen but boy should it happen and of course it didn't happen so Mm -hmm. it kind of felt like oh yeah this this is the right movie for lash for for that oscars like here you have a female director who has been steadily building up respect and goodwill you have nicole kidman who's already oscar royalty having a year where she could you know oscar and emmy and golden globe in one year um this movie should have been that Mm-hmm. It didn't connect. It didn't do well. Uh, Nicole Kidman got like not. I think she got a Golden Globe nomination and some other things here and there. Did not get an Oscar nomination. It was a it was a pretty good Oscar field last year. Um, really, what this movie should have won an Oscar for or been nominated for is best makeup. I thought it was good, and I worried that it would be bad. Um, I I'm just gonna say right off the bat on this movie. I was really excited to see it because I will see anything Karen Kusama does and I mm-hmm. love Nicole Kidman and I'll, I'll see mostly anything she does that seems interesting. Um, I think this movie was good, but this movie was not for me. This is not my genre. Um, I am not a big crime thriller person. I Sure, there are some good ones, but even the ones that I think are really good, like, I don't know, take an LA Confidential, like, yeah, I, I can say that's a really good movie. I can say I enjoy watching it. But I can also name a dozen movies that came out that year that I would prefer to watch instead. And that's kind of how I felt on this one. It just was not the kind of movie that I like to watch. Mm -hmm. I will say that I agree to a point. It is not my preferred genre, obviously. 
um, I often feel excluded from the genre. Yes, I feel like yes. it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I am upset that I didn't see this in the theater, but only one theater was playing it, and it was the downtown theater. And maybe I shouldn't have been so lazy, but it's not easy to get downtown, and it's not easy when you have a car and you pay for parking, and or you take the bus, and then it turns into a whole thing, and then you, you don't, don't have do it. you don't have to explain yourself to the people at home. It's just I felt bad, <laughs> and I and I. And I felt bad. And then when I saw, oh, it's available, I was like, oh, this is going to make me upset. Because mm. you know how I sometimes avoid things that I think are sure. going to upset me. Um, I was, I think about half, this is a long movie. It's two yes. hours. It, it, was a three, it was a three trip movie for me to get through. Yeah. I, about halfway through it, I thought, oh no, I'm not as engaged in this as I thought I'd be. And then yeah. it hit me, it hit me, oh this is going to wrap up in a way that absolutely demolishes me. And it did. Mm-hmm. Like, it destroyed me. But it, while it is it was called hap- Destroyer. <laughs> while it was happening, I felt that same level of disconnect where I was just like, I, it was very, I don't, I don't want to say it was too procedural, but it was very much going through motions that I don't necessarily find interesting. Well, it's, you know, what's I'm realizing as we're talking about it, I'm going to take a director who I know is a good director, who many people who are film fans, many of our good friends, worship at his feet and will fight you to the death and say, this is the best director currently working. And it's a director who I usually do not connect with, David Fincher. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's for me, I think it's it's two things. It's, it is his style, but it's also just he's telling stories that I just don't. I, I can't really get into. Um, and in this case, I can get into it a little more because it is, and I mean, I think we can both say it, because it is, a, a, it, we're not excluded. It's directed by a woman. It's starring a woman. It's about a really interesting, complex female character in a way that if a man was directing her, and not to say all men, but if most of the men who have directed movies like this about women have directed it, it would have been a very different movie and I would have felt an even bigger disconnect. So I was more into it than I might have been, but I, but it was just the, the genre itself, the story itself just still like keeps me a little bit outside. I'm in the back seat. I'll never be in the front seat. I think in this kind of movie. Yes, I agree. I agree. I, it's interesting that I feel like we're approaching this from the exact same Mm -hmm. place. Um, so I know that you're way better. I did a cursory Google search and didn't get anything, but I know you're better at researching these things than I typically am. Do you know if at any point the 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 concept or the script or at any point the that the main character was supposed to be a man? Um, I did not. I did. I um, this is a case where I didn't do much research on this, hmm. but my guess is actually. Uh, this is, it's written by the two guys who also did The Invitation and who also have done, um, The Invitation. They did, oh, one of the guys wrote Bug, which I love. Interesting. Oh, I didn't Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did he, no, The Bug is written by, The Bug. Bug is, is free, is, um, based on the, oh no, it's a different movie. Sorry. Uh, no, because I'm like, wait, Bug is Tracy Letts' play. He didn't write that. No, um, it's the guys that, okay, I'm going to get these guys confused. But I am pretty sure this is the writing team. I think one of them, it's, we should say their names, uh, Matt Manfredi and Phil, Phil Hay. Hay. 
I think Phil Hay is Phil Hay. I think he's married to Karen Kusama, or I think he's her partner. And so, oh, I think you might be. Yeah. So they they wrote the invitation and Aeon Flux. Yes. Um, different parts of them also wrote other things. It looks like one of them wrote the Clash of the Titans screenplay, which I actually think is an interesting screenplay and not a good movie, but has some interesting ideas in it. And did the other guy write something else? I just want to see if his name came up. Uh, or I don't know if they've always written together. Yeah, I guess they've really always written together. Which is so, cool. Like, yeah, I, and I, I think... I like partnerships like and that. And I think she... And I remember her talking about this with the invitation of like, yes, I, my husband is the writer, and so we're able to very much like live in this story for the time. And as they're writing it, I can look at it. So I think this was probably written knowing Mm -hmm. she was going to direct it. And I don't know. I would guess that it was also, I don't know that it was written for Kidman. I think they've talked about how they wanted to work together for Mm -hmm. a long time. I wouldn't be surprised if it was also like written for Shirley's Throne, maybe at some point. Well, I'll tell you why I ask because I don't know if this stuck out to you, but it really was just, and this is not, I'm not, this isn't like a, a like a dig. It was a, a total gender swap. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, like, there's there's a point, so we can get into the plot, but she, the, the man that she was with at one point is played by Scoot McNeary, and he's not really in it that much, but he's lovely, nonetheless. Um, there's a point where he's, she's like, okay, plot points things and things uh something something and he's just like i've always loved you and will always love and that's such like a such a background female character thing to give somebody to do yeah like uh i'll you're not great and you've made mistakes yep. and you're but i'm here for you and but i'm here there's just, there were yeah. so many beats that were just like oh my gosh this is completely inverted which uh, i'm yeah i will take it yeah. I will take it for at least well, another decade. My one of the things. Have no, no, no. And as we're sitting here talking about, I mean, I'm going to say David Fincher because I think it's something he is really bad at is female characters. And now I, I don't want to lob this at truthfully, like you lob it at most male. I mean, there's exceptions. Normally Neil Jordan is one, but not not in Greta's case. Anyway, uh, but. David Fincher is one of those directors who... For Nolan, there's a ton of them. Oh, God, just for Nolan is... If he even has females in his movie. I I know. But all they know how to do with women is maybe they take that one woman who they give all the exposition to, or it's the supportive wife, right? Mm -hmm. It's It's the unhappy but supportive wife who's standing home in a flower dress, just sighing as her husband comes home late, or, you know, worrying about him and rubbing her hands together. Like, that's what they know how to do. And, and and that's also part of why I don't usually like this genre very much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, you know, we are two women, feminist women discussing a movie and saying it's better than it might have been probably because it was told by a woman. And that might sound really, really simple and easy, but fuck it, it's true. No, it's, it's 100% true. And I think... You know the whole that that whole thing that they say about like well when when you know aliens or alien it was it was just you know Ripley was just a character right. it was written as a character it wasn't written as a female character I I think that is like you just said as simple as that sounds well I just wrote a character I didn't write so if you truly do yeah. that then 
then we wouldn't if, if people were truly doing that we wouldn't have so many gendered stereotypes right. in media this yeah. does feel like no i just wrote a character it's, if you if you think of how one of my favorite things is like when you take like a character actor and you you look at their credits and you take like oh and this character actor is of um mexican descent and you yep. look and you're like wow he's played thug number one hector yep. Hector, thug number two. Or you take an Asian actor, and usually it's like, doctor, doctor, doctor. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where, and like, lesson to screenwriters, I guess. And Gina Davis talks about this in in her documentary, Misrepresentation. Like, you know what? When you're writing a script, just, you know what? You got to do it. You can say, oh, my, well, yeah, these characters don't have genders or don't have races. But if you write the black female doctor then now you have to cast a black female doctor. And if you don't, it's going to be a male in that role because that's how mm-hmm. they do these kinds of things. And so, yeah, it's, we're, you know, we're, we're beating a dead horse, but we're not because it still happens. So, yeah, and this is the kind sure. of thing where, you know, when you have more women behind the camera and I think the fact that it is that, you know, and I don't know the whole process that, Karen Kusama has with her writers, but I think it's pretty collaborative. I think, you know, they're writing for her essentially, and it, it gives a, you know, the, it just, the end result makes more sense. And I will say credit to these two writers again. I'm going to just make a, another aside about Clash of the Titans. The remake of Clash of the Titans is crappy. It looks terrible, all these things, but it has two very interesting things about it. One, it has a kind of deeper than you think it is storyline about um men and gods and about religion and about this idea of um worshiping something and like letting that take over it's actually kind of smart movie doesn't do anything with it but the idea was clearly there in the script and the other thing it has it has multiple badass women Mm. which again is written into the script so still not very good movie but just saying no i mean look not to say that these people are writing to get a check but if i could write something that maybe wasn't the most <laughs> dynamic and interesting thing, and they would pay me to do it. Yeah, yeah, sure. I and if you can find a it. way to work something in there where that, yeah, yeah, fucking break down the system from the sure. inside, just in little ways, just chip away, chip, chip. Yeah. Um, but ba- back to Destroyer. As much as I can talk <laughs> about the Clash of the Titans remake all day. Um, so uh, yeah, run through the plot for the for the fine people at home that. Um, you know, haven't seen the movie that we're going to spoil. Um, so it is about a female detective. She's a detective, right? I think she's, she's a detective. Yeah. Yeah. She's just wears clothes. It's a female detective <laughs> that, um, we find out through kind of time jumps. Um, basically she went undercover, uh, to this bank robbery gang. Yeah. I guess they infiltrate this. Yeah. 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 With, she went undercover with Sebastian Stan, who, let me say, I've never found attractive. But in this movie, he's so attractive. Oh, I found, so. I find him attractive in, um, I, I guess, I guess in in uh, Winter Soldier, with a little bit of scruff. When, when he's uh, a little scruffy, to, yeah. He did. He disappears for me in most movies. Mm. But I was just like, oh, Sebastian. He's dreamy Stan. in this. He's very dreamy. So handsome. I think you just watch it thinking like, ooh, you and Nicole Kidman would make a beautiful baby. And they are very good together. Yes, they have great chemistry. Their chemistry is great. It's very believable and Mm -hmm. very fun. Um, So she goes undercover with him to infiltrate this bank robbery crime ring. um, And 
it's it's a very it's it's a rather simple story, but the way it's kind of cut together, you know, adds to intrigue and all that stuff. And then we we kind of find out the details of what went happened, how it went wrong. Um, she has a daughter, and we we meet her troubled daughter, and she's clearly not okay in the present day. She's she's obsessed with finding the ringleader of this of this crime syndicate gang thingy because he killed Sebastian Stan. Spoiler alert. Although it wasn't because I knew that that was going to happen. Well, and you can kind of figure it out. Like they, it was all right there. Yeah. They, I mean, they established pretty early of, Oh, right. And 17 years ago, she was undercover with her lover and we don't see her lover now. So you you put it together pretty quickly and you figure most of that out. I mean, there is a twist at the very end, but Which it's yeah. I didn't hate. I typically there's there's time jump stuff in this, and I typically hate it. I think it's a lazy, s- silly storytelling device, and I will point to don't breathe. Oh yeah, we just talked about this last time. How the whole giving the ending of your movie at the very beginning, and, and don't breathe and is no, the one yeah. I always mention because it it really does ruin it. It blatantly does because the entire movie you're watching and thinking. Well, this well, is going to happen at some point. <laughs> so we know that yes. these two characters are going to be fine. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think high tension point. does that too. That's that's actually a really good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I didn't. I feel like so. What I don't like. This is a bit tangential, but I'm going to go for it. What I don't really appreciate in books and movies, specifically books, but it works in this this um, way too, is when things are super front loaded, mm-hmm. like when. Like or when a movie opens with like a huge narration and they start saying character names and like oh, weird yeah. like movie specific terms like the the boxers were the people that came. <laughs> I don't. I just started watching this. Yeah, movie. Officer I'm, Bell used to be great, but then she went undercover and then something happened and then it's been seventeen years and yeah. I don't. But like I for I start to forget or I don't have any context, so I didn't attach it to anything. Yeah. And and I find books do this a lot too. Like they give me a lot of exposition before I even know what mm. the universe is, so I can't apply it. Well, fun um, fun podcasting trick. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there that like from the very beginning in the in their intro, they're like, "Hey, follow us on Twitter. Do this, do that." And you're like, "I don't know if I want to do those things yet. I haven't heard you talk. Tell me that at the end of your episode when I can make that decision." Yeah, it, it's just like a I don't know. It's a thing where I like I can't. I can't retain that type of information. And I think that might be true for a lot of people. It, it's just a lot to take in. Yeah. Dune does it. I have a problem with Dune because Dune is like, and for, but I, I've never mm. read the book. So there you go. Anyway, but this movie does kind of uses that to its advantage. It presents me with things that it, it's almost kind of like, I hope she doesn't really pay much attention or kind of forget some stuff because I did. <laughs> I did. I remember. Yeah. I know. Well, I know how the movie opens, but then I just kind of let it drift away. Oh, yeah. I, you know, watching it. So the movie opens with um, there is a dead body who has tattoos. And, like, very quickly we see that Nicole Kidman has those tattoos, that most of the gang had the tattoos. And you don't really know much. There's a detective. One of the detectives is Agent Yo-Yo from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, <laughs> but so you have detectives there. And, like, they're like, oh, God, this this um, waste as uh, Nicole Kidman comes in. And it just seems like she's going to solve it. She's like, I know that I know what happened. I'm going to solve it. And so you're like, okay, this is the kickstart to her solving this. And then it goes into the investigation and finding all this stuff. And then, again, spoiler alert, the end of the movie, you realize, oh, 
this this is that the scene at the beginning is actually the end yep. and yeah she, we know she knows who that is because she killed him that is silas she found him she shot him she's also dying and that's it so that scene at the beginning it doesn't spoil anything because you have no idea and if you put it together it doesn't I, I mean i can't imagine anybody does but if you do okay good for you um but it doesn't it just kind of set something up of I don't know. I, I, it's funny because on one hand, it, it, maybe it's a little gimmicky. It, there, it doesn't really need to be in there, mm-hmm. right? Because you get to the ending, it's not like it's not really a twist of oh my god, he was dead the whole time. It's just a twist of oh, okay, that one scene already happened. So it's a well, little gimmicky, but I don't think it hurts it. And structurally, it, maybe it's needed. I don't know. No, I don't think it. I, I, again, I will reiterate. I hate it. I hate when when movies feel the need to do this. Yes. But I think in this. It almost tells us who the character is before we... It informs us of how to view the character before she ever actually does anything. Mm-hmm. Because she's... she they, they are insinuating that she's drunk. So we know yes. that she has a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. And we don't... We don't have any other reason to know that. We are insu- They are saying that people are looking for her. So we know she's kind of a loose cannon. Yep. Which she is. Um, and... We we know that she knows a lot of stuff that she's not letting on, which she does. Mm-hmm. And as she's walking away, she she throws in the bird, so she's kind of aggressive and like, you know, like a like a lone wolf. But we so that informs the character, even though we don't know that she has every reason in the world to be acting that way, right? Because because of the lead up to it, because of the night she's had, you yeah. know. But, and you think she's limping because she's drunk, but she's really, you know, like dying hurt. of internal injuries. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so it's just interesting that it, it, it's, it informs a character in a very accurate way, but in a way that's not at all what we think it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I really appreciated that as a storytelling yeah. technique. No, no, it, it works. It does. And, you know, they actually used it the way you might want to use a gimmick yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a gimmick like that, and I feel like that's, it, and Don't Breathe is a perfect example it's there to set a tone. It's often used in a lot of horror movies because you're going to, okay, here's our horror movie and we're going to have a good 45 minute, 50 minute buildup of tension. But we need to remind you that yep. this is a horror movie. So we're going to give you a scare at the yep. opening scene. Look what you have to look yeah, for. This is going to happen. Oh my God, this is exciting. This is the kind of movie you're watching. And now let's get into exposition and build up. And there's that scene. I and hate it. It's I, so think so. I think it's so, it is. It's insulting. Um, I wonder how often they, they do that because of test audiences. Um, I, I wonder with Don't Breathe, was it that they, they test screened it to a bunch of teenagers who were like, this is boring. Nothing's happening. Oh, yep. something happened, but it took too long. So you're like, okay, we need to put something in the very beginning. And it, it is, it's a terrible trick. It's, I'm going to go back to when I was in college. I remember in my playwriting class, my professor had a rule about using narration. He was like, don't do it. You, like you should like you're gonna lean on it it's a very young writer thing to do um so you're gonna put it in there but you're gonna be a lesser writer when you do it and then we had um warren light who is the um writer of oh crap the side man he, he wrote a, pl- a play that won a tony and won i think the pulitzer he later went on to write for law and order for years he was a showrunner more importantly he also wrote the screenplay for the original mother's day but anyway and in his play i think it's side man he has narration like the whole play is a character talking to the audience blah blah and it was one of those like we're all sitting there we're like 
do we ask him why he used narration? Because our professors right there were like, he doesn't let us use narration, but he didn't complain about this playwright using narration. <laughs> and then afterwards, like, when he left, we asked our teacher, we're like, so, I mean, why could he use narration and we couldn't? He's like, well, because he, he is, he's, he's a really good playwright. And that's kind of what I think of with that opening scene of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be done Why well. Why is she allowed to do it? Yeah. Exactly. You can be allowed to do it if you do it well. I forget. Oh, God, we just watched something where they do it really effectively. And it's fine. If you're using it the right way, then do it. But if you're not, and or if you, you don't know if you are, then don't. Because you're don't. probably hurting your film as a result. In this case, it doesn't hurt the film. I think it does kind of enhance it. Um, I don't know how necessary it is. But again, it kind of, the more I'm thinking about it, because I only, I really, I watched it, took me two days, I finished it yesterday, so I haven't had it really at like that same meditation time I might have taken mm-hmm. for it. But the more as I talk to you about it and meditate upon it in real time, uh, <laughs> I can, I can see it. Yeah. 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 I, I, as in, as it was ending and I realized that's what it was doing, it made me reevaluate my own stance. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, I hate when things are doing it, but I think I like this. What's happening? Yeah. And, and I, and I, you're getting, it's, it is like, ugh, it is a character study, <laughs> but it is like, it's a very character driven film and oh, it's really? about grief and about guilt and about like, so, I mean, you give, she gave me some shorthand up yeah. front to show to color this character and it's almost like i almost feel like it's unfair like i would have had more empathy for her had i not Mm. thought that she was some rogue jerk detective and but it kind yeah you're right because the more i think it kind of works in that it very quickly establishes her as somebody you don't necessarily have respect for Mm-hmm. Right. Here is a detective who is. You wonder a, how well she can do her job, right? Even. And yeah. I mean, I, I thought this throughout the movie, and I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit, but I definitely I kept thinking about it. Was like, how many movies have I seen with this character being a man? And and for so long, I was like, oh yeah, he's you know, it's cool to see Clint, Clint Eastwood do that or Harrison Ford do that or someone. And I'm watching this, I'm like, yeah, I'm so over these movies, but. Less so when it is telling a different story, mm-hmm. and it is. And again, um, it's this like she's not really feminine. It, it's it's a great case too, and this is another thing that where you see it often with film, female filmmakers. They don't have to push the femininity or the masculinity of a female character, mm-hmm. right? It's not like she has to be all girl or has to be like super super male, um, which I think you often get from quote-unquote strong women in like men films right yeah you like that and vasquez i mean i love vasquez but vasquez and aliens is is written in that way where it's like oh yeah like tough as tough as a man type thing and erin in this movie nicole kidman's character she's she's not i mean the fact that she's a woman it affects certain things and is certainly that's a huge part of her but it's not there's never a moment where i like roll my eyes at her being kind of portrayed a certain way one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think there were a lot of, for a genre that, that I don't fully embrace, I feel like there was a lot of stuff that was like, no, come on, you like this. And I right, was like, right. are you sure? I'm not sure <laughs> if I can like this. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was well, it was well filmed. It looked really oh, good. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, it's L.A. and it's the other side of L.A., right? It's the just dingy yeah. kind of gross suburban or not suburban, but I mean, guess kind of suburban part of it, which you just don't really see on film much. So it's it's different for that, which actually, I mean, The Invitation is also very California in a different mm-hmm. way. I thought that, too. I thought that, too. Um, I will also say, I look, as I'm talking about this, I, I knew when it ended, I was like, boy, I think I like that more than I expected. Mm. As I'm talking about it, it's ramping up. Mm-hmm. Um, there was so a big motivation for this is like they're going to do a heist and Nicole Kidman's character convinces um, Sebastian Stan's character that they're going to take some money and they're going to be together and a big part of that is like Nicole Kidman's very believable poverty Yeah, and there was a believable poverty to this that I am I am consistently infuriated that people don't seem to understand how to portray. Mm, no. It's either you say somebody is lower middle class and they live in a mansion yeah. or you say that they're poor and they they like they like live in a shoebox and, and have they, great teeth and yeah. And like and they eat like a cracker and then but they don't look like like there's just this these extremes of non-believability. Most of the people like, making movies have not been ex- working class. Yes. And, and So but yeah. there is but there is a bit of this like when so the i think my favorite bit of it is towards the end when she and sebastian stan are talking about the plan and like how much they love each other and stuff and she's like if you do this for me and how like she's she's scraped by all her life and she doesn't want to anymore i was like that's so fucking real yeah and I really appreciated that, as I feel like these movies do not know how to portray... No, no, they do not. ...the working class, the working poor, like, just people who have struggled. And I, again, like, jeez, this movie was really good, huh? And, <laughs> like, here, here's something, too. I mean, we've talked about it whenever we talk about Nicole Kidman, about how it, my, like, how under... How, she, is, she is one of the best actresses of... Of her generation, certainly, but, like, she's she's in the top ten of all time, I think. She is so good, and, again, I still think sometimes she does undermine herself by being cast in roles that physically she just doesn't belong in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Stepford-wise a little bit, but uh, what's, um, what's the one I was thinking of where she, uh, just occasionally you look at her and you can't what's the, the philip roth movie um oh god with anthony hopkins where she's like a poor janitor and like but she still looks like nicole kidman and yeah and it's it's tough like and what can you do i've just been watching her on big little lies where she is pristine and porcelain and is supposed to be and so there is that sense of like sometimes kind of fighting against her looks and I mean looks that she has chosen to an extent um but and so there's a little bit of this movie like doing the whole uglying her up thing where they they do she looks unlike she has ever looked before in the present day they Mm -hmm. have makeuped her in such a way where she just doesn't look like herself and it, it works because otherwise you'd be really distracted by how gorgeous she is but the other thing about her that I think is really interesting to watch in this movie is to see her play a character 17 years ago and now yeah and she does it's not an obvious thing it's not like oh she stands up straight or anything like that and again the sure the makeup helps but 
she does feel like this woman in a different lifetime 17 years earlier. For sure. I agree. Yeah. That's 100%. And I, I, I kind of took that for granted, probably because she does it with such ease yeah, that I, yeah. didn't, I didn't even think, like, that that was a feat of strength. It kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, and that's the thing that I've, like, I mean, you and I are always, like, diff- like, I feel like we've kind of, we do it with, like, what, Nicole Kidman and Kira Knightley of, like, people just wanting to dismiss them as movie stars. But no, they're actually great, great actors. Mm-hmm. And part of the challenge is I think it doesn't always you don't realize how hard she's working I think sometimes yeah and I mean this is a movie where sure you see it because I mean just look at her and you you can see it I mean similar to Charlize Theron and Monster of yes when you you physically do something to a person a celebrity that you know physically a certain way and it affects things but there are nuances to how she plays that character in the past and now Mm -hmm. for sure you know who else I really appreciate like more and more as I get older. Who? Bradley Whitford is like the secret oh, ingredient in everything he does. Love him yeah. so much. Best thing in Godzilla, um, King of the Monsters. Again, in a not good movie, every time he came on screen, I was like, oh good, he's here to do something entertaining. And he yeah. shows up at such the right time when yeah. I was kind of drifting, and I'm like, oh, there's Bradley Whitford playing an asshole. I love it. He really livened things up. He did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. So directors, here's, so I think we have a couple of words of advice to you, right? Um, if you're wondering if you need to take a scene from the middle of your movie and put it as your overture, don't, right? Yeah. And if you're wondering what you could do to spice up your film, just call Bradley Whitford. He, he does a lot of work, so he will probably pick up the phone. Just, just a joy. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Oh, man. Very much. I I l- like it a lot. It's a it's a contemplative film, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little bit more than I was expecting cuz that's not to say that something like The Invitation wasn't a contemplative film, but it was also a very literal film. Yeah. And and a movie uh, Yeah, yes. It's also a movie designed so much more in my style in a sense mm-hmm. uh, me too for sure um, yeah and whereas where this one like yes to me the genre is working against it for me i mean i say that knowing so many of our peers would watch this based on the description alone and not because it was directed by karen kasama mm-hmm. um so th- it's still it's it's never going to be my favorite of hers it's I don't know that I'll go back to it. I feel like it'd be more entertaining to, like, eventually go back and write about or go back and, like, discuss again. I don't ever see myself watching this for enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm glad I watched it, and I feel like there's, there is a lot more to think about. I agree, yes. I... I, I liked it a lot and it didn't upset me like in that way that I'm worried movies will, mm-hmm. but like it, I did find it upsetting. Like I found it very, very bleak, I guess, yeah. but I like bleak, but yeah. sometimes you don't need to do bleak twice because it, then it'll make it <laughs> sad. Sure. Um, I also liked her daughter a lot. Yeah, I did too. Um, I mean, the actress is like, she felt young, which I really appreciate because they don't always do that. Mm-hmm. And just again, her and Kidman had a really good 
dynamic with each other and that final scene with the two of them in the restaurant. Uh, that's another thing that kind of like, and again, this is such a, I feel this way so many times when I watch these kind of movies. It's like, do you have to have this movie in a diner? Like, or this scene in a diner? Like, whenever I, I see a scene of where like two characters are talking, I'm like, wouldn't they just like, just like go to their house? Like, would you really have to go meet up at a diner to talk, to do this thing? And it just feels like, Oh no, you did it because it's so much more cinematic to film in a diner, but I get it. Like it's the genre. It's fine. Uh, but that scene I think is great. And I just I, think, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Yep, yep. I found it really upsetting because she tells us the story about, you know, in the snowstorm and there's just these little character things like I never feel like anybody hits you over the head with like the nuances of Nicole Kidman's character but I feel like it's all presented to you in a very clear way it's just it's just nice to have like character stuff be I guess presented with care and with with nuance and sure. I don't know it, yeah. it was a very unusual movie in a lot of ways it is yeah it's very but it's but it's so it's such a like a well explored genre but it was so inter- so many interesting yeah. choices man why aren't more movies interesting like that why isn't Karen Kusama directing more and why does she not have anything listed on IMDb after this and what's are going you on? kidding me I don't know I'm I mean maybe she's just still working on something but I and why is, and here's the other thing why doesn't she write more too um because she wrote Girl Fight, and Girl Fight is really well written. And I, I don't understand why she doesn't do more. Maybe she doesn't like writing, and maybe she likes working, working with somebody or having a team yeah. that she can collaborate with that will bring her vision. I, I guess. I just, I, yeah, I just, I, I remember Girl Fight, which we covered a couple of years ago, as being a really well written movie. And I yeah, just for wish sure. she would write more. Yeah, I'm mad that she doesn't currently have anything like listed on IMDb. I'm sure she's doing something, but. I just well, I want certainly it hope so. Yeah, just want it known. I mean, maybe she's like, I don't know, just like sitting back and and drinking wine and or having, I don't know, just relaxing. But that doesn't help me any. So I wish I could give her money to go make stuff, but yeah. I don't have that kind of money. No, same, same. Movies are expensive, apparently, to make and all that stuff. But yes, so and they yeah. take time. I mean, but like, if Zach, what's his name? I don't know his name. If Garden State guy can kickstart Zach Garden Pratt. State 2, yeah, him, then certainly she can kickstart Untitled Karen Kusama Project. Right. <sighs> I just love right. her so much. I know. Same. Yeah. All right. So any more to say about Destroyer? I don't think so. I'll be chewing on this one for a yeah, while. Yeah, me think. too. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, it's on Hulu. Again, you've heard the whole movie, so you probably should have already watched it. But anyway, um, Netflix, rec- or I'm sorry, streaming recommend? Yeah, my streaming recommend is actually a Shudder recommend. Ooh. I know, I'm sorry. It's okay. If you, if you can't get Shudder, everyone, I'm sorry. If you can get it, maybe think about pivoting from a different thing that you Ooh. currently pay for and using this. Or just find this somewhere else and rent it so when i was little i um like we had my mom loved tale like the original tales from the crypt the Uh, ec comics okay the ec comics the Mm -hmm. tales from the crypt the eerie and creepy and all that stuff and she had a huge hardbound book of vault of horror comics nice and i 
obsessively flipped through it and read it and loved it. And I remember she told me, did you know they made a Vault of Horror movie? And I said, yeah. She was like, it's a little scary, though. And I was like, all right, I can handle it. And I remember being mildly disturbed Mm -hmm. by some of the things in there. But, like, certain visuals sticking with me. Well, Vault of Horror is on Shudder, and I rewatched it. Nice. I love it. Some so it's an anthology. Some of them are better than others, obviously. Which is always true. But there's like there's a real like weird like punishment of awful men going on in Ooh. it, and I really appreciate nice. it. Nice. <laughs> it was it was very interesting. Very I, don't know, nice. I don't know if that was intentional, but it was it was good. Some maybe somebody who put it put it all together didn't like their dad very much, but I liked it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Vault of Horror. I would recommend it. It yeah. is a good anthology. Um, I think, oh, somebody, maybe Married with Clickers covered it last year. Somebody talked about it somewhat recently to where I was like, oh, I should really see that. Uh, but yeah, I will add it to my list and watch it because I have not and I would like to. Yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Cool. Um... Okay, what is my recommend? It's like, I had a recommend, but now I'm, like, on Shudder, because I'm trying to find it to make sure I add it. <laughs> and I'm like, there's so many good things on Shudder. Maybe I should recommend something there as well. Um, oh, I bought I bought my mom a Roku so she could use oh, Shudder. And oh, she, nice. she said, it like, completely, like, she was so happy for, like, weeks. It, cha- it changed That's her life. Good. She's so happy. So this is why I say, again, if you don't have Shudder, really think about it. Think about <laughs> your life they have like a live thing on Shutter too, if you don't know yep. this. And Zach and I randomly, I, I would I would like to say it was halfway through. It wasn't. It was probably like fifteen minutes in. Caught the Phantom of the Paradise on it and just ended up sitting there watching yeah, it. What's so good? <laughs> How would you not? I was like, oh, I'll just don't. I'll just sit here and watch this entire movie. Yeah, no, it's a good. Um, it's a it's a good it's a good service. It really is, and it's pretty cheap. You can usually get like a deal on it. I think right now I'm paying four dollars a month i think Mm. uh and again like i get it they pile up and i'm already annoyed at the like the new announcements of like just different services breaking apart and moving into different ones and i'm kind of saying like i refuse to pay for cbs all access i just refuse to i i pay for cable um i'm not paying for cbs i don't Mm -hmm. care if you put the twilight zone on there i don't care if you eventually put the stand on there i will just wait for those things to come on netflix as discs and i'll rent the discs and i'll watch them that way like a 97 year old grandmother does (laughs) uh but yes so along those lines um yeah in the meantime i have the other standard services so to um i don't know to throw a bone to the to the suckers who aren't on shutter my recommend is from amazon and I'm going to throw in a movie because I feel like um, with uh, a, many have talked about Train to Busan, which is mm-hmm. always a recommend. It's, it's I think it's still streaming on Netflix. So, hey, that's your bonus recommend. Go watch that if you haven't because it's amazing. But a sort of good companion to that that's also a Korean film that has is not as good. So I don't know why this is my recommendation, but it's still entertaining. And I, I have not heard anybody talk about it. It is a Korean film called Flu, F-L-U. Mm-hmm. And it is a contagion movie. There is a virus and it is deadly. And it is just a well done, 
um, horror movie with with heart and such of kind, and it's pretty epic. It's a good like two plus hours because it's covering a lot of characters, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those trying to get patient zero, trying to save things, trying to save a kid, and it's entertaining. And it's it seems to have gone pretty much under the radar when a lot of other kind of Korean horror films have had more stateside success. So random recommendation for you. Hmm. Uh, Amazon, you said yes. Amazon Prime, yes, yes. Hmm. Okay, I, I, it sounds up my alley. Yeah, give it a try. Tell me what you think. All uh, right, that, that's what we got. Um, on our next episode, then, you know what we're covering. Right, covering earlier this year's. <laughs> yes, we're going to go deep into why and how Greta could have been a better movie. I'm going to have to make notes. I yeah. I'm like, I almost want to pair it with a movie that does that story better, but I don't know what that story would be. I have to think about that. I'll I'll think about it, too. Okay. Like when, especially when I rewatch it. Because yeah. I remember things clicking in my head of like, oh, this is kind of like, oh, no, it's yeah. not, because that sucks. <laughs> well, here's, I wish this was out already, but it's not, since it's still probably just left theaters. I wonder how this compares to Ma. Oh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't get to see Ma. Me neither. Yeah. Um, I wanted to. But, but... I, I remember we saw the, tr- even though they came out at vastly different times, we saw the trailers together. Yeah, the Ma the trailer time. played for a very long time. I saw that trailer about 12 times. And Zach was like, oh, I guess we're hitting this cycle of right. movies. Which and like, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of, on one hand, I'm okay with. I love the idea of, oh, that's what we should do. We should pair it with a um, with a hag horror film from the seventies, with either what, oh, with like what's the matter with Helen or whoever slew Auntie Rue? Want to do what's the matter with Helen? I don't know if it's available anywhere. Okay, so well good. I'll do whatever you. Okay. let's do whatever I'll you see want. If, I, I want to find because um, that's a genre we, aside from Baby Jane, we haven't gone into, and it's one of my favorite genres because it is so complicated and both feminist and offensive and powerful and insulting, and there's so much going on there. Um, so I'm gonna what, find whatever you want to do because okay. remember I can go to the video store and, oh, and grab true. it probably. Okay, I'll see. If, I'll see how readily available these things are. Um, but so okay, so we're gonna take Greta and then we're gonna pair it with something ideally from that genre, and we'll tell everybody beforehand. But in the meantime, if you want to find us, we're on Facebook, Feminine Critique. Join our group. Come talk to us on Twitter. Sometimes when you remember, we have Twitter at uh, Feminine Podcast. ChristineMakePeace.com for all of your writing. Yeah, that's true. I am there. Right? So, I mean, this is my point. Like, if I said in the very beginning of the show, Christine Makepeace writes stuff and you should go read her stuff, how would you, why would you? You don't know her. You haven't heard her talk about Nicole Kidman yet. You don't know if you like her. But now it's the end of the show. Yeah, it's the end of the show. You know of her love for Kristen Stewart. You know of her love for the girl that looks like Kristen Stewart, whose name I'll never know, and I'll always say she looks a lot like Kristen Stewart. So why wouldn't you read her writing at ChristineMakepeace.com? Thank you. I appreciate that. Anytime. All right. So we'll be back in a few weeks with a lot to say about Isabelle Huppert and how Neil Jordan didn't do her right. I look forward to it. (laughs) Good night, folks. Night. <laughs> Welcome, kitties. Would you like to dance to death? All you have to do is come to the Crypt Keeper's party. A monster bash, if you will. Come on down!
feast. Only the best of fiends can come. We'll have skeletons of fun. So come on down to the Keeper's Zoo. I'm sure it will get grave reviews. Beyond time, if you can. But this is the picture. Yeah. 